0: Let's go on a Thursday. It's the Plank Show, right here on the home of Sooner fans. The Ref, the Ref Radio Network with Josh Elmer. I'm Chris Plank. I, um, did you hear my dilemma for tonight, Josh? My chance when I'm having to—I'm uh, not complaining about it, but just uh, going to a concert on a school night. Twenty—it's it, funny. Twenty years ago, it never would have been an issue. Would have been like, yeah, let's go. You fast-forward, add two kids, kind of a temperamental wife, it makes things a little bit challenging.
1: So you uh, would qualify yourself as very excited for the concert.
0: I'm excited to take my girls to an event that they want to go to. Me personally, I couldn't care less. Is that terrible?
1: No, I think that's probably reasonable.
0: I mean, I plan on a lot of bathroom breaks, plan on a lot of walking around the concourse, maybe watching a football game on my phone. I don't know much about this singer, but my girls love it. So this is one of those dad things, right? And you just embrace it. Did I happen to tell you what BYU imploding against Oklahoma State has led to me having to do on Saturday? No, I don't think so. No, let's get this out there, too. So, again, and and I know, save your text messages. Save your, your, well, if Oklahoma doesn't blow it against the Kansas. Yes, I know, I'm aware. We're our own worst enemy, right? But, Josh, instead of getting to cover a Big 12 championship game, because BYU fumbled the ball on the five-yard line, I get to go work concessions for a pig show. A pig show. I don't know what that is, but I know I have to go volunteer for it.
1: So thank uh, you. As a wise man once said, we're about to find out.
0: Uh, Yes. I don't know what it is. I know I'm working concessions for it. Thank you, BYU. Thank you, Jeff Levy. Yeah, good times, right? Good times. The good news is it gets done just in time, I think. For me to be able to enjoy the second half of the game, I think at least my responsibilities. Who uh, who's the concert? The concert tonight is Lauren Daigle. The event on Saturday is an FFA pig farming or pig something. I don't know. I have no. This is not in my wheelhouse, Josh. I grew up playing sports. We we were not in beauty, even though it sounds a little bit country. Uh, Wood River, Illinois, was a thriving met- metropolis. So it was. Travel ball, and it was probably at this point me sitting the bench during a basketball game whenever I was a kid growing up. Whenever, Will, Will, Willie C., my oldest. We didn't do FFA. It wasn't sports. It was more like Boy Scouts and Explorers and things like that. But this is a whole new world for me, Josh. This is a world. Did you do FFA when you were a kid?
1: I did not do FFA, no.
0: I'm willing to bet I have a lot of advice whenever I open up the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line today to help me out. I would imagine, yes. You, so you've never gone to a pig show?
1: Uh, no, but that sounds kind of uh, sounds kind of exciting.
0: I don't know if it's called a pig show or not either. I just know that because BYU fumbled the football on the five-yard line, I get to go for concessions at a pig show on <laughs> Congratulations. Saturday. Congratulations. So fun, uh, let's see, that would be 72 hours for me. A concert that I have no interest in, but I want my girls to be happy. A little reprieve tomorrow where you and I get to talk sports for about three hours. And then a pig show on Saturday. Good, good times. How are you, Josh? How was your uh, Wednesday night? My Wednesday was good.
1: It was good. I'm doing well this morning. How are you, my friend?
0: I'm good. I'm good. We uh, We are at Cavens. Uh, Gary's been a very busy man and if you um, if you live in the Norman area or if you've been paying attention to the headlines what's uh, currently taking place over at the uh, Norman Library uh, very much has Gary's fingerprints all over it because they discovered mold in a relatively new building right I mean that I, I want to say it was built in like 18 mean it's not even a five-year old building. Uh, mate, I lived over there. I lived in that area whenever that was being built. And um, unfortunately, they've had some massive mold issues. So when we talk about mold with Gary on this program and you don't really understand the the dangers of it or you you know minimize it, look at what's going on right now within our, our city and within our community and who's in the front lines of it, who's making sure that it's remediated and taken care of the way that it needs to. Cavus disaster response group. I'll tell you what I, I'm one of those guys that just never really truly grasps or understands the the dangers of mold uh, and in the devastation it can it can cause. Uh, we had to drop something off in one of my best friend's houses this weekend, and they've had a mold issue. And you just see, you know, in this drive, it's the whole. It's almost like a whole room has been torn apart, and the remnants of it are just in his driveway. So, Robbie, I had no idea, man. So, mold is dangerous mold is problematic and in our city of norman it's been a major conversation so uh we're here at Caven's, as we are every single thursday and we'll uh we'll talk to gary coming up a little bit later on in the program in fact uh, as far as community involvement gary's giving back to the united way today he and darren wilson are going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour you might be saying to yourself all right dude nine minutes in Let's go. What's going on here? What's going on with the portal? What's going on with the coaching staff? I've gone through your stupid stories enough about pigs and about going to a concert tonight, so let's get after it. So I brought a guest on at 10 a.m. this morning. George Stoy is going to join us. Uh, George is one of my favorite dudes on the planet. Uh, he and that Sooner Scoop crew did a great job in breaking the story about Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley being elevated to the offensive coordinator spot, co-offensive coordinator for Oklahoma. We've had... What would you say, Josh? The story broke Tuesday night. So we had a full show where yesterday we just went straight reaction, right? We said, listen, let's drop any conversation. I mean, we, we hustled through the top five stories of the day. We read your text. We took calls. We gave our thoughts. Yesterday was more of a reaction day. On this now, I guess you could say, wipe it Thursday, <laughs> on concerns or questions and listen it's it's going to be never ending about what this is going to look like and how it's going to work until we get in season i don't i mean we'll probably have a, a a couple shows after the bowl game where we'll feel some sort of way about it right we'll have shows leading up to the spring game in which we'll feel some sort of way about it but in the in uh time i'm real big on timing wise for some reason so in like the 36 hours since we've learned who the new OCs are going to be and in the time that you and I have spent on this show and, and talking to people and reading what the, the people think has anything changed in the way you feel about this? Has anything kind of caught your eye? Have you learned anything more Josh that has really kind of stood out in this conversation, in this elevation?
1: Well, I think the, the continuity again, uh, you start there. And that was kind of the initial reaction. You know, Jackson Arnold giving the, the co-sign I thought was important yesterday. I mean, as soon as Oklahoma put out that release, it was a quote tweet with multiple exclamation marks. And right. that's what everybody was was asking about, right? Was, okay, mm-hmm. if Lebby bolts, what does that mean for Jackson Arnold? And we heard the... Positive remarks from Jackson Arnold's dad. And then now you've got your QB one stepping out and saying, no, this is this is good. So I thought that was an important development yesterday.
0: Big time, big time development. I think two, two things that I have learned, two things that I have learned, and you can if you want to say from sources, that's fine. You know, I'm not that guy. But here's one. You know, I had this take that you're probably not leaving Norman for Starkville, and that's, that's true as an assistant coach. But if Oklahoma hadn't gone this route, and maybe part of it might have been because a new guy coming in would have wanted a few more of his own people, right? And as we brought up yesterday, that's a little bit unique in that you get you know more than maybe one guy or two guys that you can bring with you. But you never know. I think, Josh, that there would have been, at the very least, a very calculated and strong push to really go after several of Oklahoma's assistants, or at the very least, they might be a little bit more willing to listen if this had gone in a different direction. And I'm – in. I'm not saying that's how you can always do business, right? You, you you can't always worry about what one player thinks about it or a couple of coaches. But in this instance, I, I feel like that it was relevant because I don't know what his pool for assistant coaches looks like for Jeff Levy at Mississippi State. And I know that there's some of you that hear this and immediately dis, dismiss it because, like, oh, you're not leaving Norman for Starkville. You, you might be right, but... I'm here to tell you, there were guys that were very much going to have a much, what's the best way to put this, Josh, tougher decision to make if there had been a different direction that they had gone. Does that make sense? In other words, names like Bill Bedenboe, DeMarco Murray, they would have been heavily pursued to go to Starkville. And they might have had a little bit more of a willing ear. And there would have been a financial push to make it worth their while if Oklahoma's offense had gone in a different direction. Is that about as blunt as you can put it? Yeah, I think uh, this, this Seth promotes Luttrell stability. Too. Right. Continuity, stability, the two words. If Seth Luttrell hadn't been named the offensive coordinator with Joe John Finley, there's a really good chance that those two guys aren't still in Norman. Right? Seth, Joe John definitely would have been at Mississippi State. Seth may have been. And, and I think there would have been a push for, at the very least, two more people on that offensive staff. So I, I would say that that magic C word is a big one, eh, the continuity, and consistency, and just staying with the flow. So that was one thing that I learned. That I'm not going to lie, Josh, that kind of surprised me a little bit, right? But it shouldn't if someone else were to come in, if they were to go higher – uh, Willie Korn or if they would have gone and hired uh Graves or Gr- Grub sorry Grub out of Ryan Grub out of Washington or Alex um oh gosh what's the, the offensive coordinator Utah's and Ludwig for some reason as well I want to say and that's not Andy, it
1: uh, Andy at, at Utah you said
0: Yeah 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 Andy Ludwig Andy Ludwig God's close I have the A and I think that there was a very good chance that you would have seen more turnover right Outside of who's going, Tanner Schaefer, um, the analyst that we talked about quite a bit that came with Jeff, Matt Holacek, who was, I think, Pete Thamel had that story last night, and what, maybe Phil Lodeholt too. So beyond that and some support staff guys, it might have been a little bit more problematic as far as the consistency of the staff. And I think, I think with what Oklahoma has done in recruiting and what they have roster-wise, To me, Josh, I think it was really important to make sure that you could maintain that continuity of the staff.
1: I uh, thought this was an interesting quote from Brent Venables. You saw the release, and Mm -hmm. this was what jumped out from Brent. Quote, yes, this was an easy and convenient move, but it was also the best move for our program, our players, and our staff. I went through a thorough process and vetted and visited with a lot of candidates, including sitting head coaches, Former head coaches, NFL assistants, quarterback gurus, and others, but everything kept bringing me bringing me back to this duo in our offensive staff as a whole.
0: Hmm. Makes sense. So that's that's one thing that I've learned. Uh, the second thing, this was probably again a kind of a captain obvious thing to a lot of people. But we're not in those locker rooms. We're not in the, the Switzer Center. We, we can only go by what we've, we've learned and known. Not only is Joe John Finley highly valued from a head coach perspective. Brent Venables is a big fan of Joe John Finley. But I got the sense that it's, you know, it's, it's 100% customer satisfaction is not a reality in life. But it was about as close to, like, 100% customer satisfaction with Joe John Finley. Adored. Beloved in that locker room. Now you can throw your Knifelmeyer Chevrolet text in here, and you can say that, oh, I our tight end stunk this year. Fine. But universally, Josh, not just does Brent Venables see Joe John Finley as a rock star, but that staff in that locker room really respected him. And I think that's a big deal. The people that are upset about like co. I hope our history lesson yesterday helped out a little bit, right? I mean, Bob Stoops, outside of Mike Leach and Lincoln Riley, Bob Stoops never had an offensive coordinator that had called plays that hadn't been on staff for at the least what a year before, or at least been a co-offensive coordinator. And I'm just talking about guys who called plays, right? Mike Leach called plays. When he left, Mark Mangino called plays. What was Mark Mangino? He was on staff as the offensive line coach. Mark Mangino left. Who stepped in and called plays? Chuck Long. Chuck Long was a co-offensive coordinator, and what else? On staff before. When Chuck Long left, um, that's when Kevin Wilson had been on staff for a really – a couple of years, what does he do? He slides in and becomes the play caller. And is the play caller for about a decade before Josh Heibel takes over after being a co. And there had been a couple of other co-offensive coordinators during that time, right? Kevin Sumlin had that label. He never called plays. Jay Norvell had that label. He never called plays. But what do all of them have in common? Two things. Number one, they were quote-unquote understudies for a while. And then number two, they went on to become head coaches. Even Josh and Jay, so to me, those that are up because there is there's a faction out there, Josh. I've seen it that are upset about the co in this. I don't, I don't think that fits here. I, I, I don't think you should be upset about this. I think that's a, that's something to to get excited about for the future. It, it should be,
1: yeah. I mean, basically, you're getting caught up in the idea that uh, you don't have a defined play caller, I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And you do. You have that in Seth Luttrell, and you've got basically uh, the next in line in Joe John Finley.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I just, I guess the the narrative that it was lazy, I don't get that. I mean, do you really, as a fan, when you say that, because I, I do think, I've I, what I've noticed quite a bit, and, I, and I'm, again... I'm as guilty of of, of falling for the bait as anyone at times. But there is a lot of other fan bases that are trolling, right? There's a lot of other fan bases that are trolling. And I I don't know why, but it just seems as if those voices are a little bit louder. And there's a lot of casuals that literally are driving guys like my man Chris Wilkerson and I crazy. But do you think Brent Venables does anything lazy? The man is as consistent as the sun coming up in the morning. What does he run like? Two, three miles every morning at five a.m. He is. If there is anything that he is, is he is consistent? So, I mean, a routine oriented, maybe the better way to put it. To ever say, "Oh, it's a lazy hire," is just. I mean, I understand everyone falls in love with a, an offensive coordinator coordinator that they've known for approximately 24 hours. But that that criticism is one, and I'm not trying to be negative by any stretch of the imagination. Feel how you want. I'm just going to counter your criticism. If your criticism is you're mad about the co, do a little history lesson, do a little research. Number two, if you're mad about it being two guys on staff, kind of take inventory of what Seth Luttrell has done and how this worked out perfectly. And look at your, your head coach and how he is. I don't think there's anything lazy about the way Brent Finnevals runs this program. But that, to me, was 36 hours, I guess, ish, since the announcement, Josh. Those were just the myriad of things that I've seen so far. Is there anything else that you've caught that we're missing out on?
1: I don't know that there is. I mean, has anything else grabbed you nah, in, just in a couple of days? Yeah.
0: No, that's it. That's it. Uh, So continue to reaction from y'all over the next couple of days, next couple of weeks until, you know, Sunday we'll find out the bowl that Oklahoma is going to. Uh, I'm still holding out a belief that a a New Year's Day six bowl is a possibility and a probability. Uh, If Texas makes the playoffs, I think we're going to the Cotton Bowl, kids. But we'll see. We'll see kind of how that plays out. And a reminder – if you're in that this is my understanding of it Josh and and we' we'll, George and I talked about this a little bit yesterday and if you if you have seen or heard anything different then no we understood that you have to be in that top 12 right in order to be in consideration for a New Year's Day six bowl that was one thing that we have learned right outside of a group of five team which I know that's gonna what's that going be called in the future? But a group of five team, you just have to be the highest-ranked group of five team. If you're in that top 25, and even if both Tulane and Liberty lose, SMU's probably going to end up being ranked, and they'll go to one of those bowl games. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the Orange Bowl has a tie with the ACC in someone. But, I mean, the Fiesta Bowl can look and say, well, Oklahoma's in the top 12. We're taking them. You know, it doesn't have to be well, Missouri's ranked higher, so we're going to take Missouri. Now, they might end up taking Missouri, but my understanding is six, hold on, five through 12, I mean, it's not, well, you better make sure you take nine over 11 or 10 over 12. That in that point, my understanding is the committee or the bowl peeps can do whatever they want. So that's why I'm holding out some hope. But back to the point, Alamo Bowl likely, right, December 28th. We'll get a chance to see it front and center. Then, is it already nine twenty-four? It is. Saw so quarterbacks in the portal next, and what Matt Rule said yesterday, and whether or not you think this is good for college football. That's Josh on Plank. We're live from Cavens on a Thursday on the Ref. Can I just tell you something, Josh? The non-sports side of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is absolutely fantastic right now absolutely fantastic can I roll through some of these real quick before we get to the quarterback in the portal quarterbacks in the portal uh for the 405 plank it's called a stock show there are more than pigs that will be in competition kudos to you hey there you go yeah I've heard that
1: before now that uh okay that stock show it, it
0: so it's not a pig show is what I'm uh what I'm learning here
1: it sounds like there's, I, there's going to be more than just uh the pigs.
0: I would like to apologize to anyone associated with FFA for my ignorance. You have to understand, I'm really I'm dumber of this than I am with my sports takes. Uh, here's one from the 405. I showed pigs for seven years. You'll be bored. But as you get older and get further into the year, it can become pretty competitive and be a lot of fun. People take it very seriously and spend a lot of money. See, 405, that's my problem. I am not... Big on the whole spending money thing. Um, And then one more Marietta Sooner helps me out. Chris, wear old shoes or boots when going to the pig show. You never know what you have to walk through. Now, I'm just working the concession stand, okay? That's my only responsibility since Baylor couldn't finish the job. uh, BYU couldn't finish the job this weekend. Nothing better than kids being involved in the FFA, writes the 405. Yeah, there would be something better if she would have actually paid attention to the golf lessons that we got her. It'd be, yes, there'd be better things. Can you tell I'm a little bit bitter about that? Dude, nobody quit golf quicker than she did. I mean, it's it's borderline impressive, right? It's like borderline amazing. She's not really quitting, though. It's just everyone. At some point, Josh, doesn't that make her an official golfer now? Because everybody at some point quits golf, right? <laughs>
1: that's right, yeah. She'll come back around.
0: 580-Nate, uh, oh, that's a great text. It's just I can't really relate it to radio, but that's well done. Um, The concert will be great for you guys. Yeah, so in addition to uh, having to work concessions <laughs> at a pig show on Saturday, just see Nate's text. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I have to go to a Lauren Daigle concert tonight. Get to, get to, go. Uh, Okie Zen writes, yo, Plank, best Tulsa concert tip is to get gas when you get to T-Town so you don't have to after the show. That oh, dude, actually, listen, that
1: is a that's very good, good piece of advice. But you have to understand,
0: right? I'm a camel, and I'm riding with three, I don't know, uh, puppies. So they got to pee nonstop. So I'm going to have to stop after the track anyway. But that's great advice. Chris Plank about to meet Jesus tonight. It's, I, hope, I hope it's just for the concert. Uh, the concert will be great. She has a dynamic voice. And then there is this to get us back on the offensive coordinator conversation. From the 405, if you say it's a lazy hire, you are making a lazy assumption. I just... Are are we getting trolled here, Josh? Is that what's happening, or is there truly people? Because here's the thing, and I started it. We we were texting with Travis about this, but I figured I could just make the point on the air. All right, well, it's a lazy hire because they elevated from within. Well, if they hire – I'm just going to throw names out there. Jeff Scott. Well, then you just hired your boy. You just hired a a dude you know that you worked with. If you hire Andy Ludwig, oh, well, you're going with a guy that nobody knows. Going to lose half of our roster if you hire – uh grub, right? Ryan Grub. Oh, well, now you're just going with the the flavor. I mean, I, f- I feel like there's going to be grinching and moaning regardless of what Oklahoma decided to do here, right?
1: Yeah, unless you you go get a grub or they, I think they would complain about that. Well, if you get a grub or a Colton or one of these hot offensive coordinator names, right? And everybody uh, okay. ev- everybody if- everybody on staff stays, right? Mm-hmm. We don't see transfer portal defections. It, it would require all of that, right? Like, if a couple of coaches leave, okay, now there's that room for criticism. But even then, you're right in the sense that if you're installing a new system, that would have gotten dissected.
0: Yeah. And as J-Dub Sooner writes, this is known as succession planning and a key to any successful business. This shows me even more that BV is exactly who OU needed as a head coach. He's not stuck in the here and now. He's three and four steps down the road. And when he hires, he's not just hiring for a position. He's hiring upwardly mobile talent for the future. Kudos to the AD and head coach. I think our work here is done today, Josh. That's a really good point. George Stoy in 30 minutes. I don't want to get too far off the clock because I do want to spend some time. I'm all about trying to figure out what's next for Dylan Gabriel, right? Do you think – and, again, I'm a big giving credit guy. I got to give credit where credit is due. A couple weeks ago, my man Chris Wilkerson in our group text, Chris sent a text that said, Jeff Lebby and Dylan Gabriel to Mississippi State. I'm calling it. And in my mind, it's like, Lebby ain't getting Mississippi State. But then as soon as he got Mississippi State, I was like, dang, man. Yeah, Chris, might, home. Be, Chris home. might be right, But I was intrigued by something that Matt Rule said yesterday. And when we come back, I want to play it for you. I'm gonna, I pro- when we come back, I want to play it for you. And then we'll debate whether or not you think that's what's best for a guy like Gabriel or if you feel like we need to fight to keep him around. Because I, I kind of get the sense, Josh, these moves are made with the mindset that Dylan Gabriels played his last game at Oklahoma. But as he played his last college football game, we'll dive into it next, live from Cavens on the ref. All right, it's the Plank Show. Off the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Let me see, where was this? It's. I get so excited about all these texts, and then I get carried away during the break. <laughs> This 918 text is fantastic. Whoever this is, he um Sir or ma'am, my the very first text this person ever sent to the show was this morning at 919 AM and the text was Is this the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line? <laughs> you found it, man. You found it. Welcome aboard. My question is this writes the first timer in Tulsa. Could Dylan go to Mississippi State? Have you all discussed this yet? I don't know if we've discussed it too in depth because why? It doesn't affect, other...
1: doesn't really affect Oklahoma.
0: Right. It, it, I can say I don't know if Dylan's going to play in the bowl game. In all honesty, I kind of hope he does. But it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't. I, I hope he does because I want him to have that moment kind of hope he doesn't because it would be a nice little jump start on 2024 with Jackson Arnold and Joe John and Seth Luttrell kind of working through what they need to work through on a game day. Might be – I'm not trying to push him out the door. But I kind of thought Dylan Gabriel was on his way to the NFL. Until I heard this and I started doing a little bit of research, Josh, this was Matt Rule yesterday.
1: Make no mistake that a, a good quarterback in the portal costs you know a million to a million five to two million dollars right now. So just 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 on the same page, right? So let's, let's make sure we all understand what's happening. You know, there's some teams that have six six or seven million dollar players playing for them. So we just kind of believe in doing things like the old school way, the hard way, building. But that doesn't mean we won't look at people in the portal. It doesn't mean it's just we did it last year, right? It just means they have to be clearly an impact player for us if they're like a one year player, or they have to be someone that has multiple years to get in our program and develop.
0: You buy that because I do. I think it's more than a mill or a mill. And it might be two mill for some guys right now. A good quarterback in the portal. Somebody that's proven
1: like, like uh, what, what do you think? The Riley Leonard. Yeah. Somebody like Riley Leonard, uh, Sam Hartman's, uh, sheet a year ago. Right. I'm sure was, uh, was large. So yeah, that's, that's the nature of it. That's so,
0: where we're at. Let's draw this back then to Dylan Gabriel. What round do you think Dylan Gabriel would get drafted in?
1: I would say probably.
0: Like fifth, sixth maybe? Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, fifth,
0: fifth, sixth, seventh. Right. Okay. He's got a year of eligibility left. Let's look at what some of the fifth and sixth rounders have in guaranteed money right now. Start with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Actually, and I think Robinson was a seventh round pick, right? And you see the numbers on Dorian Thompson Robinson's contract, right? And what do you see? Four years, $4.2 million. And you're like, well, yeah, let's go. Guaranteed money for DTR, $342,000. she telling me if he could go back and do it again, he might not try to take advantage of making a mil and a half to two mil in college for another year? Jake Hayner, Fresno State quarterback. Fifth rounder? $704,000 in guarantees. Again, you see four years, like $5 million. But over those four years, there's only $704,000 that's guaranteed. Telling me it might not have been more financially beneficial, at least for a year, for him to go back, get in the portal? make. And, and are you telling me that a, an Auburn or... A Notre Dame last year, and Notre Dame spin on, on, on Hartman. you tell me they wouldn't have absolutely just broke the bank to try to get a guy like that? How about Jaron Hall? Jaren Hall's another great example. We did this yesterday on XM. Jaron Hall, four-year, $4.1 million contract with Minnesota. Sounds great, right? Only 279 mil guaranteed. That's it. Now, he did get the signing bonus of 279. But still, that's less than he could make in one year in the portal. So my point is, where we're just like, oh, Dylan Gabriels, he's turned a pro. He's not going to use that. And Which has always been my belief. Dude, you can make more money. Guaranteed cash. Guar- you can make more guaranteed money. Spending another year in college than you can going in the 5th, 6th, or 7th round or undrafted. Now, let me be clear here in this. Let me be clear. Because I've been a big proponent of, if you're going to be a 1st or 2nd round pick, you go pro. Yes. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. USC is never going to pay Caleb Williams more than he can make as the number 1, number 2, number 3 pick in the draft. North Carolina, not going to be able to pay Drake May. We could go down that list, Josh. Shador Sanders, Quinn Ewers, who am I leaving out? J.J. McCarty. McCarthy is potential first-round, second-round picks. You're going to make infinitely more money in the NFL. But as far as guaranteed money for another year of college as a college football quarterback, it's almost more profitable to put yourself in the portal and see what kind of offers you can get. Yeah, no, that, that definitely makes sense. So... I, I think it's a good question i I think if Jeff levy had his way he would love to have Dylan Gabriel in his first year at Mississippi State seeing that right now I don't I don't know if they have a guy that started a game at quarterback in that room so it, again, top picks you're going pro right but if you know't I mean look they're talking about what's what's a kid's name at Washington State cam Ward? They were talking the other day that he has, you know, 10 to 11 offers already. And I didn't think he was very good. In fact, I thought he was a big disappointment. I also didn't think that Jane Daniels or Bo Nix were very good. And look what happened to them. Did we have this conversation yesterday? (laughs) I thought they were terrible. And now they're both going to go to New York as Heisman finalists. But if you're Dylan Gabriel... And if there's anything else you could possibly study in college as far as degrees are concerned, you know, why not, Josh? You know, um, Lane Kiffin said it a couple years ago, and I think he was just trying to goad Alabama a little bit. He said, if you're a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and you're coming back to school, why wouldn't you jump in the portal? Set up a bidding war. Because, I mean, Riley Leonard, Riley Leonard entered the portal yesterday. He's the Duke quarterback. And, Riley Leonard, really good quarterback, right? Did some good things at Duke. Probably not going to be a first or second round pick. Might not even be a third or fourth round pick. He puts his name in the portal. Do you know what he has on his uh, information in the portal reportedly? A do not contact. You know what that means? He's in the portal already knowing where he's going. you telling me he's not getting in there without knowing he's getting some big time money from somewhere like Notre Dame, Josh?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously. The idea that Ward and others would already have that many offers. I mean, this is what's driving coaches nuts. So uh, it's clear and obvious tampering.
0: Now, and and I want to preach, but I also, it's, it's even in looking at those numbers, it's led me to even reevaluate how I kind of felt because I was like, oh, if you got a chance, you just turn pro, you know, but if you're. If you had a good college career, and Dylan Gabriel's the best example of anyone right now, why not? Why not throw the, throw yourself in the portal and see what you could potentially make? Got one year of eligibility left? Go see what you can get. Go see what you can get. Has anyone that's jumped in so far surprised you at all? I, I, Will Howard kind of surprised me a little bit. Will Howard's a great example. Will Howard might play tight end in the NFL, but... Before he goes into the draft and is a fifth, sixth, or seventh-round pick, why not jump in the portal and see what you could potentially make? That one didn't surprise me
1: all that much because Avery Johnson, I mean, Kansas State fans, midway through the season, they're clamoring for him. They're ready for him. Yeah, him to just play the rest of the year. So you got a hot shot young quarterback there out of Mays. It's not surprising, uh, but that's going to be an interesting path to follow where he winds up. Mm. It's a good quarterback. All right, we got a break.
0: We got a break. Um, When we come back, there is one story. All right, we're, we're trying to hit all the big stories because 10 o'clock is going to be a guest-heavy hour. George Stoy is going to join us at straight up 10 o'clock. Gary's going to join us from here at Cavens uh, uh, Emergency Response Group, CavensGroup.com, and we're going to talk about, obviously, what's been a busy week for him, but also the magnification of how Cavens gives back to the community. Uh, we're going to have Darren Wilson in here from the United Way as well. So that's coming up at about 10.20. Uh, and, and then, you know, show's pretty much over. So keep them coming on the Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. But there was one other emerging slash developing story yesterday, Josh, that we haven't talked about. The All-Big 12 team is out. Any disappointments? Any surprises? We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. Did you see the cover three film room Iowa hype video for the Big 10 championship game yet Josh
1: <laughs> No from the Cover okay. Three podcast
0: I guess they I guess so they have a I guess they have hype videos that they do but it's actually it's really funny because it's literally like it starts like every hype video dudes walking out the shots of one guy in the huddle flags and all the great scene setter shots from these cinematic previews that every team does now and then it's just highlights of punts being down inside the five yard line. <laughs>
1: it's a big day for
0: Tory Taylor. I guess so. Ray Guy Award finalist, no big deal. All right, so again, that 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 question is NFL versus NIL, and if you're a first or second round pick, it's not a question. It's it's just you go. But if it's later, I think there is a debate. I think Matt Rule was onto something. You guys have a feeling about this. We'll dive into it at 405 651 coming up here in just a bit. Keep the text coming. Uh, we're going to do our best to read them all because this is a really, really good day on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, I was kind of – I didn't expect the Big Ten or the Big 12 uh, teams yesterday. kind of caught me by surprise. Anything that caught your eye? I think Will Howard is the second team quarterback. Might have been the biggest – Beef and Mike Gundy as coach of the year was a little bit surprising to me too. I mean, I Brent Venables took a team that went six and seven, and they went ten and two, and were let's see three. How many points would that be? Like ten points away from the Big uh, Big Twelve championship game in an undefeated season. They also had the best win in conference this year. So, I listen. I, I appreciate what Mike Gundy has done, but I thought Brent Venables deserved to be coach of the year. Anything else that kind of stood out to you? A
1: lot of people thought that Sarkeesian deserved so he's, uh,
0: Coach of the again, Year. Yeah. But, sure. uh,
1: you know, then you get into the, you know, talent and expectations component. I, I didn't have a big problem with with, uh, okay. with Gundy winning it.
0: Uh, I thought nice representation for, for Oklahoma. Me too. I, I, I talked about this a little bit with Gabe yesterday. He was irate that Kelvin Banks was on the first team. He felt that Calvin Banks Jr. is on the first team based on reputation alone. I thought the receivers, they got it right. I'm glad Drake Stoops got the recognition he deserved. I thought Ali Gordon, I mean, listen, we can make a debate for Dylan Gabriel, but those two games in the middle and I, it was, which is which is more disappointing? Uh, Gabriel's performance against what would you say? Like Oklahoma State and Kansas or Ali Gordon's performance against UCF? I guess in this, Josh, uh, Dylan's performances released uh, were, were more impactful, so Ali Gordon won player of the year and deservedly deserve so on the offensive side of it. They righted some wrongs, right, with uh, Danny Stutzman, first team, and Billy Bowman, where they weren't on the uh, butt kiss or, oh gosh, what's the the Thorpe Award finalist list? So, yeah, I'm, uh, I didn't have too big of a problem with it. I thought it was a – Good representation of Sooners. First team, I don't know if we have time for all this, I'll hustle. First team offense, Dylan Gabriel and Drake Stoops. First team defense, Danny Stutzman and Billy Bowman. Uh, a lot of representation on the second team, including Andrew Rain, second team on the offensive line. Ethan Downs, second team on the defensive line. George Stoy is next on The The Ref.